Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, friends. Have you noticed that no matter how much yoga we do, we may still struggle in our intimate relationships? My husband and I have a great relationship, but we are not relationship coaches. And we know that yoga can and does help, but at a certain point, you need more relational support from a relationship specialist. If you're going through some kind of challenge right now in your relationships, my friend Jason Gaddis at the Relationship School can help. Jason's team will pair you up with a skilled relationship coach, and within 48 hours, you'll be getting private one-on-one support on whatever you're going through relationally. And right now, for my listeners only, Jason is offering half off one month of relationship coaching. Head over to relationshipschool.com slash Laura to get the deal and watch your relationships improve. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Wednesday Q&A, where you all ask the questions and we answer with joy. I am joined by my fabulous co-host and wonderful friend, Kristen Williams. Hey, Laura. Hey, everybody. So glad to be here. Let's get this show on the road. We're Let's gonna... get it going. All right. You have a right. question to get us started. We do. So this is from our friend and fellow lit teacher, Elizabeth. Um, it's, it's a little sad one. So we wanted to start off with this one. Um, and this is from a few weeks ago, but she says, my dad died last week. I sat with him the three days before he passed as he lost responsiveness halfway through the first day, he began a labored breathing. The hospice nurse called it breath starvation. He was gurgling on inhale, like a wet snore. He worked steadily with each breath. As you can imagine, someone bailing a sinking boat. He had no choice, but to keep at it. Whereas for a healthy person, the diaphragm descends on inhale, pushing the belly out and rises on exhale and the belly collapses. Dad's reversed its action. His chest rose with each struggled inhale and his belly expanded with the exhale. The next morning they gave him a medicine to dry him up and his breathing became less labored and the movement of his diaphragm less obvious. Do you know why the diaphragm reverses movement when someone struggles to breathe? And I mean, so I'll just start off by, you know, saying I'm really sorry, Elizabeth. Um, You know, that's hard to go through and especially hard to watch 
Um, and, you know, I have never been in that position myself, but I have been in the position of being around someone who uh, suffered a spinal cord injury in front of me and watching the I mean, instant and dramatic change of how the diaphragm, at the time I didn't understand that it was reacting differently. Um, but now looking back on it and knowing what I, what I do know, um, which I'm not a respiratory therapist, um, I, I don't pretend to be an, an, an expert in this, but you know, we do a lot about, about breathing. And it is a complicated, um, I'll start Laura and then you can, you can take off, but um, you know, it's certainly a complicated process that, and especially when you start to have labored breathing, your body is going to do whatever it can to breathe. Um, and especially when um, there's a compromise of some sort. And so, for example, with a spinal cord injured, you know, patient who has, is now, you know, he actually broke his neck up up at the cervical spine. This was back when I was in high school. Um, he no longer had the use of his chest muscles. And so his diaphragm was what was doing a lot of the breathing. So it was very, very dramatic movement of the diaphragm alone. Um, and I think in the reverse, perhaps, and, and I don't know this for a fact, but you know, what you were seeing with, with your father, I would guess would be more of the chest doing a lot of the breathing. Um, just due to a, a labor of let's just try to get air into these lungs to feed the brain, to, to, to feed the body, you know, that the purpose of breath and, 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 and heart cardiopulmonary function is to keep our brain going. And, and so when one part of that, whether it's the heart or the lungs or the musculoskeletal system, i.e. the the chest muscles and the diaphragm are not working well, the body's going to recruit all of the players it can. Um, and it might not look normal, even though the same process may be occurring. It just may be uneven now to where you aren't seeing that normal expansion and, and, and compression. Laura, what else do you have to say about that? Yeah, I mean, I unfortunately have been in that situation with my own dad, but also a very good friend. I was with her when she was dying. And it is, um, it's heartbreaking to see, even though the both my dad and my friend Catherine were uh, sedated and, you know, one can only hope that not feeling any pain or discomfort, but the, it, there is a desperation to it. And that is really like what you said. I think all the functioning is chaotic. So, I mean, if you were imagining you were like, say, drowning and, you know, just in addition to like using a lot to try and not, there would be a, there's going to be this chaotic breath because you're not, you're not in, you're not in homeostasis form to begin with to allow that natural um, coil and recoil of the diaphragm. So, like you said, accessory muscles come in and, and, and you're just not getting enough oxygen. That's where that's when people know in those final stages of dying because you you see the skin color change because the oxygen is just not getting into the blood, um, and people's their 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 skin changes with that. And that that's like one of the things that hospice nurses know to look for are these are these different indicators. And certainly this chaotic breathing and um, like again, just it's a desperate last. Your your body is going to fight till the end, even if there's very few you know in the arsenal left. 
um, it will fight till the end to try and get you that needed oxygen. Because like you said, we are, we are just wired that our brain needs oxygen or we're going to die. And so it just, we have it in there that we're going to try very hard. So I think that's the best answer is that this is, it, you're, you're, you're not in homeostatic stays, um, place and therefore the, the, the mechanisms are going to be really faulty and chaotic all for the purpose of just trying to give you some extra time on the, the earth. So we are, again, sending you a lot of sympathy. It's, it's always hard to watch somebody, but it is also this amazingly um, oxy kind of moronic gift to be able to be with somebody when they are in their final stages before dying. So, huh, yeah, enjoy all the breaths for as many, many days and years as we can. Yeah. Thank you for that question. Um, moving on to the next one, which I'm just going to actually, I have a bunch in front of me, but I'm going to pick this one since it has to do with abdominals and breathing. Uh, Gilly Hoggs asked, when doing abdominals work, why breathe out as you lift up? And so this is a perfect kind of segue because what we're doing when we do abdominals is we are purposely training the other muscles, the volitional muscles, we'll say. So the diaphragm is both a muscle uh, that is voluntary and volitional, meaning it's going to breathe. We sleep, we don't think about it, but there's also a volitional property, which means we can strengthen the diaphragm. We can train it to actually function um, even more efficiently by training it. And along with that, we have uh, intercostal muscles, we have oblique muscles, we have the transverse abdominal muscles. These muscles also help our efficiency in making our breath bigger and slower. But, you know, ultimately, when people think about like uh, resting heart rate is often used as an indicator of fitness. So if you have a low resting heart rate, that means that your heart is not, you don't have to take as many breaths per minute because your heart is very efficient at pumping per beat, right? Instead, of, so if you were breathing, like again, like my my dad who was, uh, had emphysema for many years before he died, I mean, he, his resting heart rate was in the hundreds and that's like sitting in a chair, all right? So that means his he is just not efficient um, in his breathing and his heart is having to work harder. And that's often the the problem with when you have COPD, you 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 might your lungs might continue working for a while, but the burden on your heart is 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 a lot. And that's exactly what happened with my dad: is the burden on his heart and other organs. Even though his lungs were the were crap at the end, it's what had happened to the other places. So getting back to this, what we want to do is make our breath as efficient and as robust. And we do that when we employ the abdominals to work with us. So when we exhale, our the internal obliques will help to pull the ribs together a, a little bit, if you want to think about it, to help actually press that air out efficiently versus just kind of dripping it out. So we close off and the, the internal intercostals, internal obliques kind of make like a little um, corset uh, the transverse helps again with the with its um, integration with the diaphragm. It, it shares fascial connections there. So you think of this pump 
And what you're doing as you exhale, you're firming the, ex the exhalation muscles to get that expiration out more efficiently because if you have a better exhale, you will have a better inhale. It's like almost a, you know, if you took an in, like what are these called, accordion, like the more you can stretch it, you can make a, you can really elongate that vibration. So if you inhale and you, and you try and lift up, it's not that you couldn't do that, but you're not training in the same way the muscles um, to work as they should, right? So if we're going to pick something, then you take that off the floor. You're going to pick something up off the ground, try and inhale and do it. What happens is you, you're kind of opening up more space in your, um, in the cavity of your, in your thoracic cavity, you don't have as much stabilization as you do when you have an exhale. So that's usually when you're going to pick something up when you're, when they're exerting, um, some amount of energy against a load. That is, I could talk more about it, but I want to hear what you have to say about it. Yeah, no, I think that you hit the nail on the head just talking about, you know, utilizing the breath as a way to engage the abdominals better. Um, you'd be surprised the number of people who really struggle to engage uh. the abdominals, who struggle to do it without their breath. Uh, and what I mean by that is if, you know, people really have a hard time holding retention of the breath and staying upright. You know, they, their, their movement is really driven by their breath and they are. Um, so this is also teaching us, I think, to do that. It's teaching us to stabilize and then still be able to, I mean, I don't recommend people hold their breath to where they're turning red in their face, but there's an exhalation and there, then there's a retention of breath where maybe you're taking little sips, but they're smaller and that is because we're stabilizing at the spine. You know, our abs are stabilizer abs. So do we use the rectus abdominis? Yes, as we flex up, the rectus abdominis is going to work. But the ones we're tapping into are what you were talking about, Lara, the obliques, the transversus abdominis, the diaphragm, you know, to hold, those are your stability abs. And as soon as you take a breath, as soon as you inhale, you're, you are, likely, if you take a deep breath, especially, you're likely to, to lose those. So we want to teach people to learn to not be so affected by their breath, if that makes sense, around their abdominals, to be able to maintain that core. So when we're moving, we can be agile, we can be, we can be running, meaning really working the, the, the breath, but our core knows how to stay stable while we're moving. And so a great way to learn that is in a very controlled on the floor, you've got support from the ground. You can read a ton of feedback. We talk about the scapula. So you get a ton of feedback from exactly where your trunk is. And you're really training your body to know how to, how to breathe, how to contract and really stabilize around the spine. Because the majority of injuries happen around the back. I mean, so many people, the amount of money spent in low back injuries is crazy worldwide. And I, I really believe it's because people are not tapped into their core. And so Amen. we breath. Yeah. We use the breath to facilitate that. Yeah. And I'll also say, um, I wish I was doing some kind of official collection of data and doing this scientifically, and maybe we will someday, but I can tell you from my personal, um, privates, 90% of the people that come to me are breathing dysfunctionally. 
And it almost is always hand in hand with their dysfunctional movement. And it, it, the, when we practice these abdominals, it is revealed immediately. Because A, almost all of them push out their abdominals, push them out, and then try and, and, then, and, and, try and so they are exhaling by pushing their abdominals out. And then they're lifting their head up. And it's like retraining that is like the first thing we do. Because I, but it, it is, I can tell you 90% of the people I've worked with in the past six months, um, almost all who've come with any kind of torso, whether it's low back, SI, hip stuff, primary, you know, those are the main things. Um, they, their breath is, is not dysfunctional, is dysfunctional. And they all are doing that. And I, then I just, I even made up the class of the month called give yourself a hug. Cause I was doing that with every private client. I would have them put their hand, give themselves a hug, give their hands on their outer ribs because they were so used to pushing out their belly, pushing their ribs out. And then you wonder like, you're doing that all the time. And then you're doing it with movement. No wonder your back is hurting. No wonder your hips aren't mobile. <laughs> so it there is it is so much more than just coming up on an exhale. It is training to then put it into the mechanics of movement so that you're, like you said, like we're not getting injured because we know this is second nature to us. And there are people who are super, super strong lifting heavy weights to the gym they get injured and I look at them and their breath is totally messed up. So it is, it's crucial. We could talk about that for hours. <sighs> all right. Um, speaking of the gym, I'm doing all these segues because I have so many questions here. Um, Ayla Michaela asks, is weightlifting still important to do even if you do lit, lit? Woof. <sighs> Great question. Well, first yeah. of all, go ahead. I will go ahead. Um, Weightlifting is great to do. It really is. And I'm the first to tell you that I've only been doing lit <laughs> and walking for years. And I feel functionally strong. I feel balanced. I feel great. I wake up in the morning. I'm not sore, et cetera. Does that mean I shouldn't do some weightlifting? No, I should, especially at my age. I'm going to be 53 in October. I need to add some heavier load because no matter what I do that's great for weight bearing, and everything, um, I am working against the time clock of biology, which where I'm losing you know, bone mass at a rapid rate, not only being older, but being postmenopausal. And I am just, this is my calling. I have got to start doing some heavier lifting. So is, is, did I need to do it 15 years ago? I don't think so. So I think some of it is dependent on what what is, you know, what is your goal? I'm all about, if you love weightlifting, absolutely you should do it and let. If you don't like weightlifting, don't feel like you have to do it unless you're falling into a category where the recommendations are just strong that you start adding it in. Doesn't mean you have to take away lit, but you need to add maybe two days of um, some weightlifting in there. That's what I'm planning on doing. So you get a lot, there, my shoulders integrative strength, I think are stronger than many of the weightlifting people I see. That doesn't mean I could do the things they're doing. Um, and it doesn't mean that my bone density is going to be as great as theirs because of the, the load that they're lifting. I do have integrative strength, but if I need to 
For me, weightlifting is all about protecting my bones. For some people, it's about building muscle mass, and you're going to do that more efficiently when you add more load. So if you want to, if you want more muscle mass, uh, your weight bearing alone might not be, might not do it. So um, there's my 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 two cents. I mean, I your two cents that equal to my two cents. And you know, I will say the biggest change I have seen since COVID struck, and I am not in the clinic anymore. My muscle tone is less. I look less muscly because I'm no longer lifting bodies. I was lifting body parts all day, not all day long, but you know, three days a week. So people would say, do you weight lift? No, I don't. I mean, I, I have, I weight lifted in my life. Yes. Um, very sporadically. Uh, I never really liked it, never cared for it. Um, but I was lifting body parts sometimes full-time, sometimes, you know, more recently part-time. So my arms were always really people like, good Lord, do you know what I, I lift people? So now that I'm not doing that, I can see the visual change where I'm not as cut. So body, you know, weight lifting, whether it's body parts or weights is how you will get cut. Do I feel weaker? I agree with you there, Lauren. No, I mean, I feel like I am integratively stronger from just doing lit. Um, do I think that I should do more of it as I get older? I'll be 48 next month. Yes. You know, I, I, um, I, I, I work with older women who, who I show them how to, how to lift weights just for, for their bone mass, for their strength. And you also have to look at what are you doing all day? So I didn't feel the need to lift weights because I was lifting body parts. Laura, you and I are very active. We are, you know, our jobs are active. If I was in a job where I was sitting all day, then I would be doing lit. I would be walking like you or jogging, or I would be lifting weights because when we're looking at the sum of the whole, if the sum of your day is sedentary, you know, you really do need that strain being placed upon your skeleton. Mm -hmm. in a way to build those bones and weightlifting is a great adjunct to lit to whatever your other exercise you know medium of choice is and I, I i do believe i mean i can look at all the great things that lit does but i still believe in cross training of some sort you know like mm -hmm. your walks or hiking i like to jog um people people right you know cycle Anything, what's beautiful about lit is we are moving in those multiple planes. To me, there's nothing that beats that, but it is just nice for your body, for, for your brain, you know, yeah. for novelty. So nothing gets stale because it is, has been physiologically shown. If all you do is one thing, your benefits to that one thing will decrease over time because your body gets used to it. We need to be challenging our bodies. And so yeah, pick up some weights and, um, you know, for, you can do it for muscle tone. You can do it for bone building is what I would hope you do it for the most and, uh, and make it a great compliment to your lip practice. Yes. And I'll put it out there. I am going to develop. I know that Maria on our, um, prime amazing teacher, she'll be 67. We share the same birthday and she does, she really started adding weight. So we do set with weights and I think she does like three pound weights. Um, but I think it would be really great and we should develop a kind of bone, um, you know, bone strengthening program where we're, we're putting in some like sandbag, like heavier, again, you don't have to go into a gym. I think that's because when we think of lifting weights, that's like 
everything. That's what we think about. And I don't know about you. Some people love the gym, loved. I used to love it when I was younger. And now I just would, it would just like, I don't know. I'd probably <laughs> crawl into a corner, but I have, fortunately I have weight stuff here and sandbags are super great because A, um, they are not, you know, one argument, there have been arguments, you know, there's always arguments, Every, you know, whether it's in the yoga community, PT community, then the weightlifting community, people will argue that lifting a weight that is shaped like a barbell is not really, is, it doesn't have the same kind of carryover, which means you're never lifting something that's smooth and symmetrical. So doing something like lifting a log or lifting like a sandbag that has, you know, has some move to it. It's not this smooth structure is actually like way better. It's going to spark some like uh, DNA inside of us that is used to that. We're not kind of used to these manufactured um, weights. So don't at all think that you have to lift by just going into a gym. You can find like five pound rice bag, you know, you can be creative and that can be like your little routine. So well, let us know if you have any yeah. ideas, you can always write us when you write us. We'd yeah. love to hear your ideas because I'm sure people listening have, are doing it all. And, and there's gym owners that are listening and um, I salute you. Some of you I love, and I would go if I was your gym, I'm just talking about generic gym. I'm not going to go to, but anyway, yeah. do what you love and that you're going to keep up with. What uh, I was going to say is I, currently in our top 10, now if you're, if you're listening to this months down the road, but in our top classes, Laura, your most recent set with weights is in the top 10. So it's in our subscriber favorites on Lit Daily right now. So. And I'm going to record more of them because we only yeah. do one pound weights. But let me tell you, because we put it, we're putting them in our hands and then moving our, it, it, what it has is a, you're just loading that little extra bit. The the demand it puts on your core and the rest of your body, in addition to your scapula, is crazy. It's it's really, really good. So I'll record more of those. Great. All right, everybody. Thank you for your questions. As always, we love hearing them. Any question, any type, we're up for it. And um, you can write us, support at letyoga.com, or you can find us on Instagram. You can find me at kbwilliams99 and Laura at laura.hyman. And just so you know, we are, we just love this podcast so much. We appreciate you. We're going to keep doing it no matter what, but it would mean a lot to us if you just took the time right now and gave us a rating. You don't even have to write anything, but if you want to write a little thing, that is, that's awesome. We look back and um, we love seeing what you have to write, but please also share it with a friend. So, you know, rating it, um, especially on Apple podcast and sharing it is huge in the podcast world. And it would, we really would appreciate that a lot. So thank you. And as always, we are pulling, pulling for you. you.